So glad you're with me today. A very special presentation today, a very special program. And uh, a few days ago, I was ministering to our wonderful partners. Some of our partners were with me. And a part of my message was on the practice of the presence of the Lord. It was so powerful and so beautiful, and the Lord really helped me in breaking it down simply. But I want to share it with you because I believe the Lord will really use this to speak to you today and help you understand maybe a little more, a little better, how to practice this sweet, wonderful presence. And Lord, I thank you today for this beautiful time with you. I pray you'll speak to your people and open their eyes and understanding in a beautiful way today. In Jesus' holy name, bless us all with your presence daily. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Now let's go and be blessed with God's precious word. I'm going to come back and pray with you. So be blessed. What is the greatest thing I can do and you can do to stay strong in the Lord in the coming days? Practice the presence of the Lord. If there's one thing that I want you to leave with, even though I gave you a lot of information, that's like been like a Bible school almost for the last three sessions. You've enjoyed it, right? Okay. Now, now let's talk about the good stuff, even though all that was good too. Is what do I do? What do I do in the meantime as a believer? All right, let's go to Psalms 42. I want to talk to you about the greatest secret I have learned as I have walked with the Lord in the last nearly now 50 years. And I keep going back to it. The Word of God, when you really get deep into the Word, you're able to practice the Lord's presence. Now, practicing the presence of the Lord is a very uh, special ministry to the Lord. In Psalm 42, beginning, beginning at verse 1, we, we begin to see how we proceed here with the practice. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth, thirsteth for God, for the living God. Then, or when shall I come and appear before God? Now, he's asking that question, when will I see him? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say to me, What is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitudes, I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude and that kept holiday. So this is the your average Christian who goes to church but isn't getting anything. Because it says, verse 5, Why are you still cast down on my soul? 
Why are you disquieted in me? Hope in God. I shall yet praise him. So here is an individual like David who is hungry for God like you and I are. Thirsty for the Lord. And he says, I can't find him. When shall I come and appear before him? In verse 2. And he says, when, when I remember that the Lord's presence is not with me, verse 4, I pour out my soul. And I go to church looking for him, but I can't find him there. So verse 5 again, why are you cast down on my soul? Why is there such quietness in your being? Now you begin with hoping in God. I'm going to praise him. He's going to visit my life. That's how it's all begin. It begins with faith, believing God will visit your life. So, it begins now with prayer, a simple prayer like verse 6. Now he, he addresses the Lord for the first time in this psalm. He says, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee, he's talking to the Lord now. I'm going to remember you, Lord, from the land of Jordan and Hermon, or the Hermonites. Now, the Mount Hermon is always symbolic of the presence of God to a Jewish mind. And then it says, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Verse 7 is a key. That he goes from prayer to depth. How did he get there? He goes from, oh my God, my soul in me is cast down, but I remember you, Lord. I remember what you've done in my life in the past. So now he's at least praying, talking to the Lord. But prayer changes from prayer into practice with the words deep. Deep calls too deep. That means spiritual communion. It went from talking and saying, Lord, I remember you. I'm still not there, but I will praise you. I'm going to get there. And suddenly, he is in a new place. And after that, he says, now the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song will be with me. There is restoration here of what? Fellowship. Communion. The presence of God is back. Now the joy, the singing happens in his heart. Not the casting down of sorrow and all that that we saw earlier. In the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. Suddenly he is so well united to the Lord that he calls him the God of his life. And then he says, now, Lord, I will say unto God, my rock, you've forgotten me. 
I've been mourning, and so on. But he comes to that place finally. In Psalm 63. Now David is giving us a road map. A beautiful road map in fact. Into the practice of God's presence. And he says in verse 8. My soul followeth hard after thee. Or close behind you. That word hard doesn't mean hard like difficult. It means I'm clinging to you. My soul now is close to you. The word hard is close behind you. I'm not leaving your side. Your right hand is holding me up. This is not uh, the picture of a man who's being forsaken. This is the picture of, of a man being led into God's presence. Because he says, I'm close behind you. I'm not walking away from you. That's what the word heart means. Your right hand is holding me up, keeping me walking with you. The minute that happens, he goes into a third plateau. And the third plateau or place in the spirit is Psalm 46.10. Be still and know I'm God. Wow. So he goes from, my soul is cast down. Where are you, Lord? I go to church. I praise you. I'm still cast down, but I will praise you. Now I'm talking to you, Lord, and he starts to commune in prayer. That's where it all begins. Once he prays, now eventually he will get into the deep place. But the Bible now begins to give us a beautiful roadmap into that deep place because... Uh, Psalm 42.7 is a big headline. That's our address. Deep calls unto deep is Psalm 91. Deep calls unto deep is Deuteronomy 32.13, the high place. Remember what it says in, in Deuteronomy? It, he made him ride on the high places of the earth. That's the place of beauty, worship, the presence of God, where Jesus is more real to you than your skin, more real than the air around you. But now he starts to give us in the scriptures a roadmap. So I'm close to you. You're holding me up. You won't let me go. And the next thing is God starts talking and he says, be still now. This is not the time for you to talk. You've done the talking, now it's my time to talk. Be still and I will give you knowledge that I'm God. Be still and then you'll know from me. I'm going to impart knowledge to you that I'm God. 
the minute that happens, the second we enter quietness, or maybe I better say stillness, there's a big difference between quietness and stillness. Quietness is soulish. Stillness is spiritual. But you have to start with quietness. Because quietness leads to stillness. And at that point, something happens to the flesh that's been very active, repeating itself. Because a lot of prayer today is not prayer. It's repetitious words. Just repetitious words that don't mean anything to God or to the individual saying it. So you come to Isaiah 57.10. It says you are wearied in, your, in the greatness of your way. You've come to the end of your flesh and yourself. That's a very amazing chapter, by the way, when you read it, the whole chapter. But I'm going to focus on verse 10. You're wearied in your way because God now is talking about idol worship, how Israel was worshiping idols and did not find satisfaction. That was what he meant by your way. Yet you, you didn't say there's no hope because you found the life of your hand, meaning you created an idol and called it your life. You've, you have found the life of your hand. You built something and worshipped it. And yet you were not grieved. You didn't stop it. But I love those words, you are wearied in the greatness of your way. Now you are at the end of trying to make it happen because it's not happening in the flesh. You're all getting this, right? Now you, you come to, the, to a place of solitude. Solitude brings stillness. Do you know why? Chad, you'll like this part. Do you know how uh, hermits started in history? Why they went to caves finding God? Because when King Constantine came on the throne, he brought paganism into the church and polluted it with paganistic rituals. So Christians who were looking for the purity of the faith had to leave their cities and go to the desert to find God. But I don't believe that was the right thing to do myself. I think they could, they could have found God in the quietness of their bedrooms. You don't have to go like yourself in some monastery. But solitude, that's what nobody talks about anymore. Quietness, stillness. That is the result of solitude. Now, when, when that happens... Uh, True silence, uh, spiritual silence takes place like we read in, in Zechariah 2.13, let all the earth be silent, you know. And now this union with the Lord, which already is by promise, becomes reality. First Corinthians 6.17 talks about 
that we're one with him in spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. But we have no manifestation of it in our daily life because we have not looked within. We've not looked within. What do I mean by that? Well, the one thing Chad has learned from me is how to look within. Isn't that right? Yeah. Not long ago, when I moved to Florida, I was staying up here somewhere, and he was praying, and I didn't know he was praying. So I walk in on him. I opened the door quietly. I didn't know if he was alive or not. <laughs> and uh, there was a, something I needed. I don't remember. And I see his face glowing. He had his earphones on, listening to worship and the Bible open. He looked like Stephen, I think, in the book of Acts. I thought, oh, my Lord, I better not, you know, disturb him. And I'm... And I saw his life transformed ever since he's been with me. And he's told everybody. He says, one thing I've learned from Pastor Benny is how to look within. And looking within sounds a little strange, but it really, really, really isn't. Because it is stillness in the presence of God that you really look within for the presence to manifest. Now, there's two ways. There's two ways to do that. One, the word. Or two, you just play some worship and wait, which I used to do. Sometimes I do it a little bit, not much anymore, because I have found the Bible to be a much stronger tool. There's something about the word now. Now, maybe it wasn't so maybe a year ago. It wasn't exactly what I, uh, where I am now. Well, the word of God has, has become... The, the, the tool that pulls me in. And I don't know how else to say, but pull me in. I, there's no other word I can think about, except I feel a pull right, into the scriptures. And as I'm, as I'm reading the word very slowly, and sometimes in a very, um, how shall I say it, in a very heavenly way, you know, like where I stay with a, a portion that I sense God's presence on that portion. You know, I don't leave it. So it's not, it's not about reading, it's about unity. You understand that? Because I really want you to understand that. So now you are united with the word and the stillness takes over. It's good to to have worship, I think that can help some of you. It helped me immensely years ago. But today, it's become less and less necessary in my life. But when, when, when I uh, feel that pull, I want to show you something. I really want you to get this because I want you to get there, like be in that. I feel strength that pulls me in. I don't know how else to say it. And David writes in Psalm 59, 9, because of his strength, I will wait upon thee. It's like inner strength that comes in as you are still. Now, you know, 
I'm not going to talk about other religions, but Satan is a very, very smart enemy. He has duplicated that to bring power into the lives of his followers. Whether it's in Islam or Hinduism, they learn the power of stillness. Am I right? Because Hinduism teaches that. They teach stillness. And, and, and there comes a time they become so still, they can stick swords in their body and not feel them. Or walk on fire and not feel it. You know I'm right, because that is the reality today in India. So the, the supernatural is triggered by stillness. I saw it in Catherine's meeting. It blew me away. When she said, not a sound. That was back in the early 70s. She said, not a sound. I never, ever, ever had anyone in any place that I remember ever say that in any meeting in Canada or anywhere else. So when I go to, to, to Ms. Kuhlman's meeting, she says, I want total stillness. And I'm wondering, like, why? It made no sense in the beginning. And the organ was playing very softly, and everybody was quiet. And there was a guy in front of us who was, you know, doing this with his hands. And she said, sir, I said not, not a sound. And that boy was really rebuked big, big time for whispering something that she heard and nobody else heard it. The intensity of the power of God filled that first Presbyterian church in such a way I will never forget it. It was like Jesus walked in. And then I went back to Canada where I was having meetings and I said I'm going to try this here. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. And I asked the crowd, we had about a thousand, maybe 1,500 people at that time, and then it grew to 3,000 and more weekly. I said, everybody be quiet. Well, like why? You know, people were thinking, and I had no idea why myself. I was just saying, if, if Catherine did it, there's got to be something to it. And when I said quiet, some people in the choir couldn't get quiet long enough. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I said, no, 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 not, not, not a word. 20 minutes it took before they were all really quiet enough. And not long after, dear Gary Beasley was next to me and his wife and dear Ann were on the organ and piano there. The glory of God hit the place. Every human being was on the floor. Without me saying a word, every, every physical body was gone. You heard a big thump. It hit the whole building. And that was my, my first lesson on stillness in a public meeting. We saw it back in OCC more than once. Larry remembers when I'd say be quiet and then the power of God would start falling. Why? It is the key into his glorious presence. Because he said be still and you'll know I'm God. Now you can experience that in your own bedroom daily. Daily. It takes time. But that's the wonderful price to pay, huh? And so we've, we've all read, you know, Isaiah 40. They that wait upon the Lord, renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. The stillness is recovery. You know what, what I mean by that? Okay. 
all of us, as we're walking with God, sometimes, like the children of Israel, we get a little dilly-dallying back in the back, and we forget where he is. So we're way in the crowds back there, and that's where the devil attacks you. Anyone who is attacked by demons is in the rear. Because Israel was attacked by Amalek, only those in the rear. How do we recover? How do we come to the center? Stillness. Stillness brings us into a place, because it says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength spiritually. They'll mount up to a new place and run. Why? To catch up. And then walk and fellowship with God. So stillness is so powerful to us believers. Practice it. It's a beautiful life. And once it begins, that stillness will produce practice. God's presence becomes very real. You, it, it begins to manifest from within your being. And now, true tongues, true tongues begin. There's a big difference between you praying in tongues when you're not in the depth. And you praying in tongues when you're in the depth. You've all experienced the difference. It goes from a gift to a heavenly language and becomes very precise and you notice you're not saying that the things you say when you're in a service or you pray when you're not in the atmosphere. Um, I believe this is where the fellowship of sufferings begin in stillness. That's, that's Philippians 3.10. Where, where you begin to see, and I know this is going to maybe freak you out a little bit, some of you, but it's not to freak anyone out. When, when I enter into that uh, place, the first thing that hits me is the cross. Like I see the cross. I see the Lord on the cross. And I don't know if that happens to everyone but it is a most beautiful beginning where you begin to identify with the death of the Lord. That, that's what is, is meant by the fellowship of his suffering. And I believe that belongs to, to all of us. And it's all in the practice of God's presence. Catherine talked about more than anyone else about stillness than any, any human being I ever have heard. And Basilea and Cody, but especially the two. Basilea Schlink and Catherine Woman talked more about stillness and God's presence, and then Joy Dawson with YWAM and the greats of the 70s all talked about that. And then, then you learn that they've experienced the, the presence of God that we all can, but we just won't pay the price. Because stillness becomes great activity in the spirit. That's a real tough one to explain because it's not soulish anymore. It's activity that is Holy Spirit controlled and led. And that's where intercession exists because intercession is groaning. The Holy Spirit groans within you without words. It's a depth hard to explain. Just a little bit, will you? 
And this is where um, this is where Isaac is taken out of your heart. I think Abraham reached that place where God said, no one is to occupy your heart but, but me. And I think when, when we enter into that realm, the practice of God's presence and the stillness begins and the stillness becomes practice of the presence of God. Now his presence manifests through his word. And then later, a song is born in you. That's hard to even talk about right now. And you develop, it's like the depth begins calling onto the depth, like Psalm 42, 7. And the next thing you know, Isaac goes. The, the someone you cherish in your family is cut out. We all love our children. We all love our children. And in that place we are able to dismiss them from our hearts it's a very tough thing to say because when you are not in that atmosphere you'll quickly respond to their problems even when you're reading the word of god and your your, your kid walks in or calls you on the phone there's an, an emergency so help me and you'll stop uh, talking to god and take care because that's just the way it is with families but stillness dismisses that completely. That you're, you're able to actually shut them out. It's not a very easy thing to say, but it's a reality in the spirit. Because suddenly, you, you're no longer daddy. You're a child of God. And then you move into another place. So you go from Genesis 21 where God says I won't share you and then you go to uh, Luke 14 but that all happens in that practice I, I don't think it is possible to obey what I'm about to read without practice and in that place is where it becomes reality for example if any man will come to me and hate not his father mother wife children brother and sisters his own life, he can be my, my, my disciple. That is only possible in the presence of Jesus. Because why did he say, if any man come to me, that's fellowship. Then you've, you're in his presence to come to him. But coming to him happens in the practice of the presence of God. Right? You, you, you all understand. So if, if any man come to me, if anyone wants to be in my presence, he cannot love father, mother, children more than me at that time, in that experience. And slowly and slowly, our families become disconnected from our spiritual life. It doesn't separate us from them at any time. We still love them. We still take care of them. But when we are with Jesus, they mean nothing. He means everything. But the practice of the presence of God brings the reality of, if any man come to me, at that moment, Papa is gone, Mommy is gone, children and wife are gone, they mean nothing to us. And that's what the word hate means in this portion. It doesn't really mean hate 
as we understand hate. It means we cut extension. We cut the extension of love. If you look at it in the in the Greek, it means to cut love's extension. It also means to detest. Well, we 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 don't detest them. We simply shut them out of that moment with the Lord. And then he becomes all in all to us. So St. Saint Augustine made a beautiful uh, statement. He said, Thou hast formed us for thyself. Our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. Our hearts are without rest till we find rest in you. In you. And now we, we enter into a depth unknown. And that's the depth of God himself. Where in 1 Corinthians 2.10, it talks about the Spirit revealing the depth of God to us. It happens there. No other place possible. You can't know the depth of God outside the practice of the presence. So every day, beginning around 1 p.m., I shut myself out for a good hour and a half, sometimes two hours. And I, and I get into that stillness. And when I do, I'm completely, uh, I hate the word connected, I'm completely united with the word. And it has, its force is beyond description on me. I feel a pull like I just read in the Psalms 95. Your strength pulls me in. The strength is there. Because it's not my own strength pulling me in. It's God's strength. And you get to the place where, uh, wow. You know, when, when, when you read, which I showed you earlier, but I want to point something out to you again. In Psalm 46, 10, be still and know I'm God. But the next thing he says, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. So the practice of God's presence brings him great honor. He becomes the, the priority begins to be exalted in our life and our hearts and and uh, it brings us into spiritual abundance it's very hard to explain spiritual abundance but it's so real it's it's uh, beyond words to explain it it's feeling uh, wow I've never, I've never done drugs. I never have done anything like that. Never drank. Never, never. But uh, I understand from Kent Maddox and others like him that when they did it, they, they, they felt like they were floating. They felt a, a false uh, uh, peace or a false uh, contentment. It was really false. I don't know about that and I don't really care to know any more than what they said to me. 
And that was years ago. No, no, nobody said that to me in the few years, last few years. This was back in the 80s when, when they were with me in OCC. The abundance I experience is so numbing. I'm not kidding you when, when, when I say to you, if somebody, uh, nothing uh, disturbs you. Nothing. I mean, like, it's, it's a piece so deep an earthquake would not move you. Nothing would affect it. Like great peace. You know that, that beautiful verse? Great peace have they that love thy law. Nothing will offend them. It's reality. When you are completely at ease, it's like you're, this is, your body is in a perfect state of peace. And when you get up, when you're out of that, you don't, you, you, you abhor the phone ringing. You don't want to hear anyone. You don't want to talk about. It takes time to get out of that atmosphere of beauty and peace and contentment and love and heaven in your soul. And, and now you have to go back to the valley and you don't want to. So that abundance uh, results in more and deeper silence and stillness that is the result of abundance, not lack. So we start, Larry, we start with quietness from lack. We end up stillness in abundance. And at that moment, it is beyond heaven. It's almost a numbing uh, experience of the, of the body. You feel completely at rest like beyond rest. And this is, I think, where prayer without ceasing starts. Because you can't leave that place without uh, prayer have, has become now a part of you. And you, you, you keep going with it. Now, uh, the great fathers of the of, of the church if you read their writings there's a lot about this in their books but they they talk about chad they talk about keeping it all day and all night they they almost they they almost don't allow themselves to go back into the business of life so that i'm not there yet but i will be before i'm i'm gone that, that i know because it's very hard to not come back to doing whatever you have to do in the natural world so you can go on. Okay. Lord, bring them there. Come on, lift your hands and ask for it. Hallelujah. Lord, bring them there. Let stillness become your presence and let your presence become stillness in them. Hallelujah. Let your presence become prayer. Not only prayer, your presence, but let presence become your prayer. The prayer. For your glory, I pray. Where your presence becomes their presence and their presence becomes your presence. 
in Jesus' holy name, I worship you, Lord. Now, Lord, you know how much they desire it. And this is the only way we can be ready for your coming. Practice. We shall practice your wonderful presence in our lives. To you belongs the glory, the praise, the honor, and majesty. Hallelujah. I pray today you are blessed by the word of God. Practicing his presence is what keeps us alive daily in the spirit, walking with the Lord, knowing him in depth, so important to all of us. And I want to pray with you right now that the Lord will really bring you into that place where you will live in that presence of Jesus that his presence will so change your life and so transform you into his image that God will use you in these days where the need for his presence is so great in people's lives. So can we pray right now? Precious Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you've promised us that you would dwell with us and in us forever. You said that the Father and you would come and dwell and abide and fellowship with us. And we hunger for your fellowship. Oh, dear Lord, we hunger for that union with you daily. Deliver us from this world the darkness in this world that we might live in your light and dwell in your light and beauty that your presence will always be with us and in us touch your people Lord and Holy Spirit show them the simplicity of the practice of your presence in Jesus holy name Meet every need, answer every prayer. Touch those, Lord, who are in need of healing. In Jesus' name, give them peace that passeth all understanding today. In Jesus' name, amen. I know today was a little, you know, a little bit longer than normal, but I wanted to share the whole message with you. So thank you for joining me. And now it's time to give to the Lord's work because it is his command. It is his precious word. And I've said that so many times and I'll say it again. It's our protection. It's what keeps us safe financially. Not only today, but in the future. Giving to the Lord has become more important now than it in the, in the past. Because the future is very, very dark for the world, for the world. Financial disaster is on the horizon for the world, not for you, not for those who obey the Lord and walk in his law and word because it's, it's quite clear. It says, I've not seen the righteous forsaken or received begging for bread. But only as we give, we will prosper. Only as we give, we will flourish. Only as we give, 
we will have abundance and no lack in our future when we are giving continually to the Lord's work as God enables us. And the Bible says we give as God blesses us. So as God has blessed you today, go ahead and sow your seed and he will bless you even more. And the darker it gets, the more blessings will come. Guaranteed. When did Israel receive the wealth of the wicked? When it got really dark in Egypt, remember? That's when God gave them the wealth of, of, of the whole country. So the darker it gets, the more blessed you'll be financially because God will show himself strong on your behalf. But we prove ourselves by faithful giving. The faithful man will abound, will abound in the future, will overflow with blessings, but we have to be faithful today. So go ahead and sow your seed right now on the platform you're watching me on, or you can go to our website, benin.org, or simply you can text it. That's the simplest, I think. Right there on your phone, just BHM45777. So simple. And God will surely bless you for that. Tomorrow, a very beautiful, beautiful time. I'm going to be teaching the Word tomorrow. So, it'll be so wonderful. You'll be so blessed. All right, much love to all of you, and thank you from my heart, I say it, for being my partner. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.